If you've been listening for a while, you know that I love to work out and do yoga. With that, though, comes sore muscles and some aches and pains. That's why I'm excited to partner with Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA, is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, and it's also great for sleep and anxiety. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. Tanasi is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Did you know that 97% of women don't get enough vitamin D from their diet? Yes, facts. That's where today's partner, Ritual, comes in. Spring in Chicago can be cold and cloudy, and I haven't seen the sun for a few weeks. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. It's a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking your multis actually enjoyable. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Visit ritual.com slash sober mom for 25% off. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello and welcome to the Real Sober Mom Chats on the Sober Mom Life podcast. You guys know these stories are near and dear to my heart. These are stories from women who are in the Sober Mom Life community, in the Sober Mom Life Cafe. And for a lot of them, it's the first time telling their story. These are real moms. It's like the real housewives, but without the booze. Don't forget, if you want to share your story, come and join us. We now have two options for memberships. We have the Sober Mom Life community. For $5.95 a month, you get to connect with sober and sober curious women all day long in the chat and in the feed. And then you also get access to our Tuesday peer support Zoom meeting at 11 a.m. Central. And also the cafe. The cafe is $25 a month and you get so many meetings. You get access to eight weekly peer support meetings plus our monthly 
Facebook club. You get your own feed and chat where you get to connect with the ladies. You also get to go on things like the retreat with us that's coming up at the end of February and just so many other amazing things. Come and join us. We would love to have you and enjoy the Real Sober Moms. Erin, welcome to the podcast and the Real Sober Mom Chats. I'm excited to hear your story. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, good. Okay, so before we could talk about where you're at with with your sobriety, let's go back. <laughs> let's. Uh, she looks up, you guys. She looked up. She was like, "Okay, let's go back. Let's do it." Oh, I know. God. I know. Yeah, this is the tough part, right? Let's go back. Let's yes. talk about alcohol. <laughs> you know, looking back, I think. I had what most people would consider a normal relationship and progression with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, experimented a little bit in high school, not a lot. More just, you know, the party here and there with friends and, you know, experimenting what it was to like drink. But like drinking wasn't really a huge part of my high school experience. And then, you know, going on to college, again, I would say it was really, like, fairly normal, quote-unquote, binge drinking (laughs) on the weekends. Where are you in the country? I'm in Maine now, but I went to college at Tufts University in Boston. Yeah, okay. In, like, normal, sloppy (laughs) – I keep saying normal, but it doesn't sound normal now. (laughs) I was the same. It did feel normal in college, right? Where it's like – it feels normal if everyone's doing it. Totally. Yeah. And I would say, like, for me, like, I was kind of, like, growing up, like, a little bit of a nerdy kid. Mm -hmm. Was, like, like, had the Coke bottle glasses and – scraggly hair and just like super skinny, super awkward. And I, you know, felt that even like through high school, even though I, you know, kind of came more into my own. But I felt that even through college a little bit, like using alcohol as a way to fit in and like feel more accepted or feel better about myself. But I never really connected that. And Partying for me in college was just like really fun. Like had a lot of girlfriends that we, you know, hung out, would party Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> it's taking me back. This is this is all taking me back because it's very familiar. <laughs> and, you know, like like all the rites of passage, the fraternity parties, and stupid drunk accidents. So it would all seem very like hysterical and funny and innocuous at the time. Yes. And then I went to law school. I'm a lawyer. Okay. I went to law school right after college, and it was more of the same. Like, you think that law school is, like, super serious, but, I mean, everybody's seen Legally Blonde, I think, and, right. you know, that there's, like, parties and and all of that. So I definitely participated in all of that, and it was just more of the same, like, drinking Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, going out after a hard week, exams, and just to have fun. And to disassociate from, like, the stress of law school. Mm-hmm. Lawyers, like, love to party in law school. I think it's I think it's clear. I think the jury's in. Oh, oh the jury's totally in. And what, you know, I actually just remembered this pretty recently, but there was, we had our first year of law school, like, somebody to come in and talk to us. I think it was during legal ethics. 
about like lawyers and addiction and yeah. how alcohol in particular is so frequently used by lawyers as yeah. a coping mechanism. And so it was out there like, hey, you're in this high stress profession, so you might succumb to this at some point. It was out there. We were like, ha ha ha, whatever. Like, let's go. Let's go out tonight. <laughs> like, it was no big deal. Right. So, yeah, I got through law school and moved to Boston. That's where my now husband was then in medical school and just like lived a young professional's life. And I, alcohol was like not really that big of a part of my life. I mean, it was again like maybe a work happy hour on a Thursday and maybe we'd go out on the weekends hard, you know, binge drinking, but never really during the week. And I I really can't remember ever drinking during the week until after I had kids. Yeah. And so it was those rules, right? Even though you probably didn't look at it like moderation rules then that you you were trying to control an uncontrollable thing. That's probably not how you looked at it, but that's what you were doing, Correct. right? It was just like, yeah. this is a thing reserved for the weekend. It's in its little box. We're going to put it right here, and that's fine, which I think is very common for young professionals. And yeah, when the party just kind of continues from college, law school, and then into your 20s. Totally. I remember one point in, in my 20s before having kids, my my mother-in-law, we were like, my husband and I were totally hungover for like a dinner on like a <laughs> Sunday. And she mentioned us like, oh, we have friends that do dry January. Like, have you guys ever thought of doing that? And I was like, is she crazy? Like dry January? Like what? You're like, thanks, mother-in-law. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> Never. Terrible idea. Yes, that's funny. <laughs> So it it just like continued on this seemingly normal path until I had kids. I have three boys and I had my first son when I was almost 32. And I think that it was like after he was born that I, you know, I didn't really realize that at the time, but I think that that's when like nightly wine became a thing like more often than not. To just, you know, working all day in a law firm, coming home, getting him from daycare, like doing the nightly thing. It just was like, oh, this is my reward is a glass of wine or maybe two. Yeah. It didn't seem like something that I had a problem with or even did like every night. It just seemed like it was creeping more into the weeks because we weren't having like big weekends really as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was just more spread out. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, fast forward, I think through um, when I had my second son, I think I recognized myself drinking, like, a little bit more. And it just was, like, as we know, alcohol is progressive. So I think that that's really when I noticed myself drinking a little bit more. Yeah. And I think a major turning point for me was in 2016, I had a significant baby loss. Hmm. At almost 20 weeks, we found out that my third son – had an open neural tube defect and a really terrible prognosis, really sucked, like completely blindsided by it. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, It was that we made the decision to terminate our pregnancy. And I mean, he was wanted, he was loved. It was like the absolute worst thing that ever happened in my life. Mm -hmm. But so I gave birth and he Past, and I was almost 20 weeks pregnant and it was just a really, really traumatic time in my life. And I think it was after that that I really, I mean, I 
just started drinking more to cope with the trauma surrounding that. We did go on to have an, another son who is, he's now six. But even after that pregnancy, like, again, I just, I found myself drinking more. I found myself not taking breaks during the week. I found myself disassociating from the chaos with wine at night. My husband was, um, he's, he's a surgeon and works a lot of hours and I was working still and just trying to keep it all together. And so I would, you know, look forward to that, you know, five o'clock, five o'clock would hit and I would say, okay, it's time for me to, I can chill, I can have a glass of wine. And it quickly became one glass, became two, two became three. And it just became something that I was doing all the time at night. Yeah. You know, first, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry for your loss and the trauma that you had to carry. It sounds like by yourself, which I think tends to happen when there's a loss. Yeah. Like an early loss, a pregnancy loss, even a miscarriage, anything. It is overlooked even though it's it's a full loss. And so just even then turning around and then being pregnant again and having another baby, it's like that's not – that doesn't take away from the loss, right? And so – and I think that women were taught to be quiet about that stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'm just so sorry because it just makes so much sense that when there's no place to go to grieve – right? And it's really hard to feel and you have to keep going, right? And so alcohol really comes in handy. Yeah, it did. And it was, you know, my loss sort of occurred during a time that was tumultuous for women's rights too. So like on top of, on top of having a baby loss, I had the, you know, shame and the disquiet that was surrounding like women's rights at the time in 2016 and 2017, it just all felt really awful. Um, Even though I had like really supportive friends and family, it just felt very isolating and alone and terrible. I don't, you know, for one day regret my decision and I did it to protect my family. I did it to protect my Mm -hmm. living sons and I did it for my son that passed because he was not going to have any life that we would want for him. It was just really hard, even though I tried to do all the right things, like go to therapy. And I I tried to do those things, but it still was just all too much. Yeah. I hope that when you look back at your story and that you're drinking ramped up, I hope that you give yourself just a heaping dose of compassion and just say, of course, like, of course, she's she's grieving and she's trying, you know? And if you're listening to this and if you're going through this right now, because we're still in the midst of a politically terrifying landscape as far as this goes, and I, I think that it's just isolating women even more and moms even more. And so I think just knowing that you're not alone is huge and to feel the feelings, Right that you are strong enough to feel the feelings. Like even if it feels like they're going to break you, they're not going to. Um, Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, it wasn't, you know, I knew that I was drinking too much back then, um, after my third son was born and I would try to take like little breaks here and there, but I had no appreciable time away from alcohol. And then the pandemic hit and we all know what happened there. Moms started drinking more than ever, but it all still seemed somewhat manageable for me because I, you know, I was functioning, I was working and I was quote unquote only drinking two or three glasses of wine a night. Although if I'm honest with myself, like some days I would wake up and be like, okay, how much of the bottle is left? Is there, if there's some left then okay, I I only had three glasses, even though it was probably three and a half. And it just started to feel like now I'm 43 and like, it just started to feel, I just started to feel like gross all the time, waking up, just feeling a little bit dusty, feeling like a little mm, dusty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That's such a great adjective for just it. Dusty. dusty. But like no one would ever think that I had a problem or was thinking right. about it, even though I was thinking about it for years, like are you an alcoholic? Do you have a problem? What is normal? Googling, am I an alcoholic? <laughs> right. 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 Yes. <laughs> like someone just tell me. It sounds like, you know, and, and we laugh because it's so relatable and probably literally 98.7% of the women listening to this have done that. And yeah, that's a fact, you guys. That's just a stat you can count on right there. slash Google won't tell you if you are or not. (laughs) Right. And what we're doing when we do that is we're seeking permission to listen to the little voice inside ourselves saying like, hey, I think that you could feel better. I think that this isn't great. This is making you feel like shit. But we're seeking some sort of outside thing to say like, no, 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 you qualify. And like, yeah, yeah, yep, you have full permission to stop drinking. But until we find that, it's so hard to just count on ourselves to say like, this is making me feel like shit. Right. And I I, I guess I until I found this community, this sober mom life mm-hmm. community, I never really – like I would wonder and I would think about my relationship with alcohol and I would want to cut back, but then I would cut back and think like, well, this is stupid. I'm fine. Like, <laughs> What's the point of that? Um, yeah. And, yes. you know, I thought about like I downloaded the Re- reframe. It's a common app that people use to help drink less or stop drinking totally. And I recently downloaded it like last fall, just when I started really, really starting to feel like I was really sick of sick and tired of feeling like shit. And then I realized that I downloaded the reframe app two years ago and like just never used it. <laughs> You're like, Oh, I have, this, I have this app. I just didn't, I just never used it because yes. I started to use it and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. So like I have been thinking about this for years, but never really felt like, okay, do I go to AA? Am I an alcohol? Like what? Nothing ever really felt, quite like a fit. So yeah, I found the Sober Mom Life community back in November and I just kind of dove all in. How where did it start? Did it start with the podcast or the the Facebook group or how did how did you find so it? So I first? shared with a friend that I was trying to cut back. I had like a moment back in November where I just kind of had this moment of, I don't, it wasn't really clarity. I just was having a bad day and I felt like, sh- and I felt like shit because I had had a couple glasses of wine the night before. And at that point, like, 
at this point in my life, like two glasses of wine, like destroys my sleep. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Like I am a marathon runner and I could like, I I would feel like crap in the morning and then I would go on like a 20 mile run. It was ridiculous. So my, my sleep was getting destroyed and I just had, I just like broke down one day and I was like, what am I going to do? And I shared with a friend whose husband is actually in recovery. And she said that she actually, she doesn't drink much, but she's shared your Instagram with me. And she's like, I really like this Instagram. Give it a, give it a look. And so like that was in November and I just dove in, I I found the Instagram and then I found the podcast and I, I don't, I think I've, I've listened to every podcast now (laughs) in (laughs) in the last like three months, but it's all so relatable for me. These stories of, women who wanted a softer landing. I do have a a dear friend of mine who has been sober for the better part of 25 years, and he's in AA. And he said something to me back in November, right when I was starting to really examine things. And he said, you know, the elevator stops at every floor. You can get off at any floor. And so I thought, wow. And that, that really resonated with me. And then all of the stories that I was hearing through the podcast and then I joined the Facebook group and then I joined the cafe and now I'm just like, I go to the Zooms, I'm kind of all in. But I I went a week in November and felt pretty good and then decided that I could moderate or at least try. Mm -hmm. It's a necessary step, right? Like this is all, it's just all a step of opening your eyes and saying like, okay, well, now that I know what it is, let me see if I can control it better. Totally. I've broken the, I've broken the habit of at-home drinking. So now I'm just going to drink occasionally with friends. And then what happens? Like, Okay, that was the rule. Yeah, I would just like, I wouldn't drink at home. I mean, I think that that was back in the fall when I was really ha- struggling with my relationship with alcohol. I just, I didn't want to be at home drinking in front of my kids during the week for like no reason other than it's Tuesday, you know? So I thought, okay, well maybe I could just drink on the weekends or drink with friends. Or if I really scale back and take a step back from alcohol, maybe that's the kind of drinker I could be. Turns out like after being good at that for maybe a couple weeks, I was back to drinking wine every night at home. Yeah. Which is the nature of the beast, right? It's that whole addictive part. (laughs) Totally. So I finally just said, okay, January 1st, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And I have. Wow. What do you think has made the difference? Like what has, what has quieted the voice that comes in and says like, come on, this is an overreaction. You weren't quote unquote that bad. You know, that voice that tends to come in. What do you think has made the difference this time? I think I've treated sobriety like as a full-time job. And I know that Mm. that sounds kind of silly, but I went all in on all the podcasts and I I was naturally doing, I just recently listened to your episode on the witching hour and I was Mm -hmm. naturally doing the, I've been doing those things in the evenings. I was already doing those things. And I think that that's, what's really been helping me is like in the evening, if it's chaotic, I have three boys they are like heavy into sports and activities. They're all school aged now. And it's just loud and it's chaotic and somebody's always needing yeah. something. And that's when I would turn mm-hmm. to wine in the evenings. And so instead, I, you know, have a seltzer, non-alcoholic seltzer, mm-hmm. and put in a podcast and or like eat a little candy 
and just like stay busy. But I think that like the mantra for me is more like, this is your choice. Like no one is making you do this. Yeah, maybe you weren't that bad, but it also wasn't that good. (laughs) Mm, Yes, I love that. Sure. Was it that bad? No, maybe not yet, but it wasn't that great. And like when alcohol is that bad, like you could wait, right? Like, but what are we waiting to lose? Do you want to lose more? You could. But I love that, you know, I always say that this is the most important story to tell because these are the stories that I didn't I didn't hear when I stopped drinking that I was like, because I didn't need permission of like, no, 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 you can, yeah, you qualify. Yeah, come on, like get off the wheel and come and join us. And so, and I can tell you're going all in. <laughs> when we hopped on, you were like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what this is, but I just signed up for everything. I did. And I'm like, yes, but that's great because that's starting before you're ready and just being like, okay, no, I'm committing to this and everything that comes with it. And I'm just going to show up and do it. And if you just continue showing up and telling the truth, I mean, that's the work and you're doing it. I hope so. I mean, it's, I think that there's been, I've gotten, I've, only 55 days alcohol free but that's not there's no only in front of that okay that's fucking huge there isn't that's amazing when i think about that i'm like i never thought i would do that or could or right. could do that i just never thought i would it does feel really good i feel physically better i don't have that dusty feeling in the morning i have more patience with my kids especially in the morning maybe not at night but in the morning i do <laughs> I'm the same. I'm still a monster at night. <laughs> totally. At night, and when it hits eight o'clock, I'm like, you guys, everybody in bed. But in the morning, I'm a gem. Totally. I mentioned this in passing, but I am a marathon runner. And yeah, like I had an injury last summer and drank right through it. But I've always drank through all my training cycles. I shamefully have like had self sabotaged races before and had wine the night before races. But I had an injury last summer, and I'm running the Boston Marathon in um, seven weeks. And I oh, I know that's amazing. First of all, congrats because that's huge. Thank you. But I, I so I had an injury last summer, and that's why I had to take some time off. And in the meantime, I've given up alcohol, and I'm like coming back from the injury is so yeah, it's um, happening in a way that I didn't think would happen, which is exciting. And I don't think that I could be training and doing all the things that I'm doing in like my life um, if I was drinking alcohol right now. Yes. Oh my God. Giving up alcohol is a different leveling up when it comes to performance and how our bodies and minds perform. Like there's no better thing that you could add to your training than giving up alcohol. It seems ridiculous to think about now. Like I would have a long run and I would be drinking two two or three glasses of wine the night before. Like why would I do that? But I was doing it because but it was- also like, yeah, and because we're t- like, there's beer at the end of races. Totally. Like the, the, we're celebrating, we're celebrating with beer. And sometimes there's beer in the middle of races. Oh, it's like, true. It's, it's, there's a race yes. up in Maine. It's the, the Millinocket Marathon and they give a shot of fireball at every mile. <laughs> Oh my God. Beer is bad enough. Can you imagine fireball? I can't imagine. Oh my God. And people, I don't even just maybe it's watered down. Oh I don't know, but people like posted about doing it and taking a shot. Oh, they could be dead. God. 
because this is how we have collectively lost our minds over alcohol, right? right? And so it makes sense. Like, of course, we had a you had a blind spot and having wine before a race because it's it's all like so normalized and it's insane. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I I'm was sort of using I'm. It's really hard for me right now to think about like the future and you know, forever yeah. and all of that. But I keep using like little benchmarks and that's really helping. And so right now, like the Boston Marathon will be like a hundred days. And so I'm really excited to like get to that, oh. get to that point and celebrate that and just see where this takes me. Perfect. That's such a great way to do it. And since you're a runner, you know that I have to, I have to share my, my analogy, which is like the first mile how horrible is the first mile of any run? It's like the horrendous, the worst, right? It's like everything in your body is saying like you have made the worst decision of your entire life. Like, and you can't imagine feeling better. Like in my mind, in my body and in my mind, when I'm running that first mile, I'm like, Oh, I am now forever going to feel like this. This run sucks. This is horrible. I've made a grave mistake. Huge, huge mistake. And then something happens, right? And then there's a shift. Yes. And then you're like, oh, holy shit. I feel great. And I'm running. It's the same run. Totally. Right? Totally. And and you're right. And I think that even like now, even though I'm only at this point in my sobriety – like I've done a lot of the hard things. I mean, in the first 60 days, like, you know, done some holidays, have done dinners out, have done a uh, first sober vacation, have done a lot of the hard Huge. things. So I'm hopeful that I'm hopefully that the first mile is behind me. Yes. And, and you'll know, you'll know, because you will start to kind of just settle in, right? And like, and then you will get to the point where the idea of forever doesn't it's not lingering it's not haunting you nothing scary is going to happen and then you're not like so much holding on to sobriety stuff as a lifeline which it makes sense right now you kind of are and you need that reminder of what you know and what you knew at one point that you might have forgotten today or whatever but then it just all becomes a part of you and then you you don't need me <laughs> I can't imagine that, but I'm right you now. I'm drinking. The, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I'm not drinking the wine. I'm drinking all drinking the Sober Mom Life Kool Aid. Yeah. We don't. What if that was our like? Spot? We don't drink wine at the Sober Mom Life. We drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's me. I think that's it. Oh my god. Well, Aaron, thank you. I'm so proud thank of you. you, and I'm just so glad you signed up. These are the most important stories to share, and this will for sure help so many women who were like you in November and like just searching and Googling, and it's time to stop Googling and just start doing it. Yes, exactly. Start before you're ready. Just do it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and thank you for the community. It's everything for me right now. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips i'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so so inspiring I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 